reading from Psalm 74, verse 1, says, A maskil of Asaph. Does anyone know what a maskil is? Anyone? What's a ma- Buddy, do you know what a maskil is? Apparently it's a psalm of instruction. Go figure. And it says, O oh God, why do you cast us off forever? Why does your anger smoke against the sheep of your pasture? Remember your congregation, which you have purchased of old, which you have redeemed to be the tribe of your heritage. Remember Mount Zion, where you have dwelt. Direct your steps to the perpetual ruins. The enemy has destroyed everything in the sanctuary. Your foes have roared in the midst of your meeting place. They set up their own signs for signs. They were like those who swing axes in a forest of trees. And all its carved wood they broke down with hatchets and hammers. They set your your sanctuary on fire. They profaned the dwelling place of your name bringing it down to the ground. They said to themselves, we will utterly subdue them. They burned all the meeting places of God in the land. We do not see our signs. There is no longer any prophet, and there is none among us who knows how long. How long, O God, is the foe to scoff? Is the enemy to revile your name forever? Why do you hold back your hand, your right hand? Take it from the fold of your garment and destroy them. Yet God, my King, is from from of old, working salvation in the midst of the earth. You divided the seas by your might. You broke the heads of the sea monsters on the waters. You crushed the heads of Leviathan. You gave him as food for the creatures of the wilderness. You split open springs and brooks. You dried up ever-flowing streams. Yours is the day. Yours is also the night. You have established the heavenly lights and the sun. You have fixed all the boundaries of the earth. You have made summer. Praise God for that. And winter. Remember this, O Lord, how the enemy scoffs and a foolish people reviles your name. Do not deliver the souls of your dove to the wild beasts. Do not forget the life of your poor forever. Have regard for the covenant, for the dark places of the land are full of the habitations of violence. Let none, let not the downtrodden Turn back in shame. Let the poor and needy praise your name. Arise, O God, defend your cause. Remember how the foolish scoff at you all the day. Do not forget the clamor of your foes and the uproar of those who rise against you, which goes up continually. This is a psalm about the desolation of the temple of Israel. And the people going back to God and remembering, remember us, remember, remember your people, O oh God. So, as we worship this morning, we just ask God, remember us, your people. We come before you in praise, and we just ask that that praise go out and touch this world because we know that the world around us is desolation right now, isn't it? It's pretty ugly. So Father, we just thank you so much that you remember your people here this morning, God. I pray that your praise would go out from this place and that it would affect the community around us, Lord God, and not just not just Stillwater or Lake Elmo, but Father, it would go up and down the, the river valley, Lord God, that it would be sensed, your presence would be sensed throughout this 
region. God, we give you all the glory and the honor. We thank you so much that you are a God that is close and engaged with his people. You haven't forgotten us. You are amongst us. We thank you for your Holy Spirit that rules and reigns and that, God, your word says that you work together for the good of those who love you. You work all things together for the good of those who love you. And so we thank you this morning. We love you and we give you all the praise and the glory and the honor that you are so due. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please stand. Please stand. Please sit. Please sit. So, we're not going to go into worship right now. I'm going to preach. I'm going to change it up a little bit. It's good to change things up. Start getting into a rut. One time I heard that a, a rut is a, a grave with the ends kicked out. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 6. The, the psalm that John just read is actually amazing, very, quite significant. Inasmuch as that David or the, the psalmist is lamenting the fact that Israel is demolished. Israel has been, has been beat up. Israel has been, uh, destroyed or, you know, has been railed against by whatever enemy was coming through at the time. And I don't know the exact history of which attack it was or which, uh, enemy it was. But the fact that things looked bad. And in life, things can look bad. And, what do we do about that? We've talked about that a bunch lately, mainly because of the world that we live in, the world situation that we live in. It can get bad. It does look bad in many ways. But at the same time, <clears throat> the same time we have, uh, we have a God who is God. And we have a God who has the answer. And we have a God who is, who loves us and cares about us and knows that we exist. He knows that we're here. He knows that, that we need help. And his heart is towards us. The problem many times is, is where is our heart? Where is our focus? Um, this morning as I was getting ready, I was thinking about, uh, I have a, a, a hobby. I love working with wood. And uh, years ago, my dad and I uh, built a shop, not built you know, as far as a building, but we, we gathered all the tools together. And then when he passed away, I got all the tools. And one of my favorite tools is a lathe. And if you ever worked with a lathe, a wood lathe or a metal lathe, I don't have a metal lathe, I have a wood lathe. Um, when you, when you work with, with wood and you put it on the lathe, usually it comes out in, in, in a, a rectangle. I mean, you start it as a rectangle or it starts in a very rough form. And, uh, lately, when I'm, uh, when I have a few moments and I just want my mind to kind of go like that, I, you know, what I do is I go to YouTube and I find uh, uh, wood turning lathe videos, and I turn some music up and I just wa- I know I know it's, I'm I'm a little strange I, I admit it, but like I say I love that kind of stuff. It's kind of like you know some people have rocks and other people have wood lathes. <laughs> yeah. So, but I like watching wood lathe. You know, and and one of the things is watching that first part when when there's this big rough piece of wood. And you start spinning it, it's actually kind of precarious. For anybody, you know, any of you that were, had a shop in high school way back when they still did shop. I don't even, do they still do shop in high school? I don't know, but, you know, you put that big chunk of, of, of a non-round wood on a lathe and you start spinning it at a high revolution. It's a little precarious. It's a little wild. And then you take this gouge out and you put it on the rest and you, and you push it into the wood and it goes, you know, it's, it's not like, oh, so beautiful. No, it starts out as, I could do that all day. Pastor Dan's loving it. But the reason it does that is because it's rough and it's, it's a rough material. We are like that piece of wood when we get saved. And when we get saved, there's these, there, we're rough. We, we have rough edges. We have lots of rough edges. And wives, you can attest that your husband has lot, had, had lots of, and they're, they're hopefully less rough than they were to begin with. But you, you start, 
hitting that piece of wood and it starts, it takes off big chunks. And as the piece of wood on the lathe, you feel like, oh my gosh, whole parts of me are disappearing and this is not good and this hurts and it's rough and the whole machine is shaking and, and just, you know, all of that is going on. But you can't get to the smooth. You can't get to the finished without getting rid of the rough. How do you get to get past that point? And how do you get past the hard part? Matthew. Chapter 6, beginning with verse 31. Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. We've, we've read that lately, you know, a, a significant or a fair amount of times, uh, talking about the day and being ready. But the great thing about working with a lathe and working with that chunk of wood is there does come a point where it becomes smooth and it becomes round. And the, the person who's working that piece of wood uses different uh, tools, different gouges and different parting tools and different things, and it gets very smooth. That's the part I like, is when you can actually watch it change. But the thing is, there are still chunks coming off. It's not. It maybe isn't great big chunks. Actually, you hope that it isn't great big chunks because that's when it gets ugly. But... Wow, that's a that's a that's an also an, an amazing metaphor. Once you get to a certain point, God shouldn't have to be taking big chunks off of you. If he is, it's going to get interesting. Wow. Let him take off what he needs to take off when he takes it off. Otherwise, you're going to have to deal with something later that's much more drastic. So you have this, this piece of wood and it's spinning and then you start getting it into the shape and all of a sudden it actually does take shape. That's the part that's so exciting to me is you have this rough piece of wood. Now, I'm not a, a, a craftsman like, like Steve. I mean, if you've seen any of Steve's woodwork, it's, his is far beyond me and definitely not like Bob, uh, you know, uh, Bob, uh, Nagel. I mean, these guys are, these guys are far beyond me, but you know, I like me. So I, I like the, the work I do. And so I'm, I, you watch and it starts taking shape. And that shape is fun. You start to go, I, I can decide it. it's going to look like this. You notice the, the piece of wood never decides what it's going to look like. The person carving it decides. And he makes it into what he wants to make it. <coughs> but as you, you get closer and closer, one of my favorite videos to watch, you can, you can Google it, it's, it's called Wooden Stemware. Go on Google or go on YouTube and Wooden Stemware. And, and this guy makes this dainty little cup out of this big chunk of wood. But at the end, the, the, the stemware of it is so fine, so minute, that any wrong move would break it. But the, but the master craftsman just takes, oh, it's just, it's so amazing. And then he starts to sand. You know, it isn't just that it takes shape, but that he starts to sand it. And he starts out with a, a coarse piece of sandpaper, and then he goes to a little less coarse and less coarse and less coarse. And then you finally get down to where you're, you know, you're using, you know, 440 and 880 sandpaper, which seems like you could write on it. And you can almost. It's so fine. But yet it's taking off just that last bit. Uh, one, some of the stuff I do, I get down to that 440 or, or whatever. Uh, 440 means very, very fine. And when you take it off the lathe, you can actually see yourself in it. It's amazing. You know, it's not like glass or it's not like, but you can see reflection. His reflection. But it's in that sanding. Then you start asking, he starts, the, the, the workman starts looking at the tolerances. You have a gauge because you know how big you want it to be. You know how, how, how thick you want this part or you know, you know how big round that part is supposed to be or whatever. And there's always a gauge. Today, the Holy Spirit said is a gauge. 
Today is a gauge. Because, I mean, I know almost everybody in this room. And I've, I've watched, you know, we've, you know, in the 16 years I've been the senior pastor, the 18 years that I've been here, I've, I've, we've walked through the kajunk, 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 right, George? Kajunk, 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 kajunk. We've, we've walked through the, the shaping part. You know, we're, we're, we're growing and we're, we're getting closer and closer into the image that the master craftsman wants us to be. But there's still sanding that needs to go on. There's still the fine tuning. And today, this morning, and then, and then we're going to go back into worship because then we know why we worship. Sometimes it's good to, to get the word in you first and then worship because you know why you're worshiping. And then you can worship for the right reasons. The fine tuning. The fine tuning today is this. Are you seeking first the kingdom of God? Are you seeking first His righteousness? His kingdom and His righteousness. It's not an accusation. It's a, it's a gauge. It's the gauge of the Word. That's what the Word gets to do. You know, the Word is amazing. I stand up, anybody else stands up, and you start speaking the Word, and, and, and people go, wow, that was really good. Now, it, it wasn't about the delivery, it's about the Word itself. The Word is what changes us. As long as we apply it to our life, as long as we use it to gauge what He wants us to see. And the closer and closer we get to where He wants us to be, the, the, the closer the tolerances must be. So the older you are, the more, the more experienced you are, the more uh, uh, mature you are in the Lord, the tolerances get tighter and tighter and tighter. Well, but I, I, don't, want my, I don't want to be gauged at that level. Seek first His kingdom and His righteousness. Are you seeking first? How do you know? How do you know if you're seeking first His kingdom? In anything that goes on, the decision that you make, and, and one of us have to deal with decisions on a daily basis, on a weekly basis. Some are bigger, some are smaller. Whenever you have to make a decision, how do you make that decision? What is the first step? You know, what, what would dad do? I mean, that's what, you know, a lot of kids would say, you know, I have to make a decision and what would my father do? Cause he's so wise and he's, <laughs> just to give you an idea of what that looked like. And there's some truth to that, you know, there's some validity to that, but what would your father do? What does your father want you to do? What is, Father, i got to make this decision, and I don't know. I don't know what to do. What is your will for my life? Lord, I want your will to be done in this situation. And it may look very different than what your will is. That's the, that's the sanding part then. Or the ka-chunk, 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 depending on where you are in the, in the process. Some places we do not want to give up our will. Early on, most of the time, we don't want to give up our will. That's why it's a chunk. Because if it's going to come off, it's going to have to come off in a chunk. Because we resist it. Hopefully we get less and less. And, and in that spinning of that, of that cylinder making whatever you're making, it gets smoother and smoother. And the tools of a, of a, of a, of a master craftsman. That's one, that's kind of where I'm at in this process is I've realized my tools have gotten sharp that I work with on the lathe and I'm getting a lot of flakes, not, not ribbons, you know, not long pieces. If you've, uh, I love watching people work on metal lathes and I, and I don't know how to do that. And I, I used to watch guys do it and it's just, it's fascinating to me. But you take this, this chunk of metal. Now at this point it's round and it's smooth. And then you, you put the tool into it and this chunk of metal comes off in a ribbon. That's amazing to me. It's absolutely amazing how that works. Why? Because the tool is sharp. The machine is set properly. And it, it forms it exactly to tolerances that are, I mean, I, you know, you talk to engineers and the, the kinds of tolerances are, are, well, in my mind, you know, 
an inch and a half is pretty good, you know, I mean, when you, but hundreds, thousands, I heard somebody say, I don't know enough to be able to, thousands of an inch, that's, that's fine. But that's because that tool needs to be used in a certain way. A 16-pound sledge will change the form of something. But that tolerance is nowhere near a hundred or thousands of an inch. When you get to the final product, if that, if that product is supposed to be used for something that is surgical, it must be highly tolerance. Tolerant? Precise. <laughs> See, I don't know. I work with sledgehammers. So, <laughs> if you want to be a finely crafted instrument for the Lord, the tolerances are going to get very, very, very precise. And let Him do it. Seek first His kingdom, the kingdom of God, and His righteousness. Because... All the things that John read about in Psalms, all these needs, all these problems, all this stuff, that will always be there. It'll always be there in your whole life. Pastor Dan, have the problems uh, ceased coming at you in your life? No. But the answer is always there, isn't he? The problems don't cease coming because we live in a fallen world. But his provision, His protection, His blessing is new every morning. His mercy. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, His tolerances, righteousness. His righteousness is He's perfect. He's perfect. And the thing is, we seek His righteousness. We don't seek our righteousness. I don't have to be perfect. I'm not perfect. You're not perfect. Okay. But we seek His righteousness. And the more we, we seek His righteousness, His tolerance, the closer and closer and closer we get to those precise measurements needed to be a surgical device for His kingdom. The thing is, to do that takes this next set of verses. Go to first. In the kingdom, First Peter five. First Peter in the kingdom, this is how you work with God. Here's he gives you he gives us the answer here on how. We cooperate with God. How, how we work with the master craftsman to be brought to the level of tolerances that he desires. 1 Peter 5, 6. Humble yourselves. You can stop right there. That's the answer. The right answer is humble yourselves. Humble yourselves. That's the, that is the hardest thing I believe one of the, I believe it's the hardest thing for a human being to do is to humble ourselves. The first sin was about pride. If Adam had been humble, humble means you you put the one in authority who's in authority's desires their 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 opinion their 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 plan their whatever it is you put that first and you humble yourselves. Paul, when he was talking about marriage, says, wives, submit to your husbands. Now, I say that and there's like, there's, you know, like I know I can, like this little in people's hearts. Wives, because it's been misused, submit to your husbands. See, I, I can't even look at my wife and say those words. It just, I just. But it's about humbling. And, and that word submit is not about you know, bow to my every wishes, woman, because I am more outranking than you are. No, wives, it doesn't say husbands make your wives submit. 
Yeah, good luck, right? <laughs> it says, wives, submit. You choose to humble yourselves. Humble means to lower yourself. Now, submit is, is actually two-sided. It's not just humble yourself. Submitting, that word submitting that's used in the Greek in the New Testament means to humble yourself, to lower yourself down, to lift someone else up. It's two-sided. It's, it's deeper than just you be lower than me. No, 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 no. Wives, when, when, oh, when you're submitting to your husband, you are making them so much more than they could ever be. And they need all the help that they can get. <laughs> that phrase, behind every good man is a... a, a better, <laughs> I'm hearing adjectives being thrown in there. An amazing woman. You know, you see a successful man. Amen. That's, she's the one that makes it possible. Why? Because when she submits, she lifts you higher than you'll ever be. That's why you need to love them, men. Love them, which means lay down your life, just like Jesus did. You lay down your life, which means, yes, dear, we will compromise. What do you want to do? I don't always. I, 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 I sometimes do that. <laughs> I'm getting better at that. But we humble ourselves. When it says humble yourselves, he's talking about to, to God. And he's going to go on, because it's not, it's not just this relationship, it is this relationship also that we need to humble the more we humble ourselves and say, Lord, Your will be done. Your will be done. When we do that, the end of these verses that we'll read says, in due time, He will lift you up. You've got situations going on in your life. You've got problems. You've got, you've got struggles. You've got, you need all the help you can get. And the help you can get comes only one way, and that's humbling yourself under His mighty hand. But it's also the hardest thing you'll do. It's the hardest thing for us to be to allow ourselves to get on that lathe and for sharp tools to be applied to our lives. And it does feel at the beginning that huge chunks of your life is disappearing. And it probably it needed to. I won't take an actual survey where people raise hands because everybody's at a different place. But I can tell you the big chunks of things that came off of me in the first 10, 15 years of, of fully dedicating my life to God, I, didn't, I don't need them. Those parts of my life literally don't... They're just worth laying on the floor and, and being swept up and thrown out with the garbage. I, you don't need that stuff. The things that you struggle with that you don't want to let go, He has already seen you don't need that in your life. Let Him get rid of it. Let Him deal with it. Let Him free you of that excess baggage. I've made things on the lathe where I'm getting to the point, I'm, I'm cutting and I'm cutting, and I'm thinking, that's pretty good. I, that looks really good. And then I, you take it off and you look at it and you go, oh, no, it's not it's not perfect. That's close enough. There's a, there are different grades of finished product. There is, there's, eh. And then there's, well, that's pretty good. And then, then there's, wow. And then there's, oh my goodness. Exquisite. But that takes fine-tuning. And the only way you can be fine-tuned by God is to humble yourself. Remember, today is a gauge. Today is a gauge. See, here's the deal. I am convinced that this body of believers, this body of folks, is fine, surgical instruments in the hand of God. But we have to keep humbling ourselves and saying, Lord, I have not arrived. I am not 
I'm not, I'm not ready to be done with me. I don't want to be. Eh. I want to be, I want you to be able to see yourself in me. And if that means some more sanding, here you go. Humble yourself. First Peter 5. See, I could preach a whole sermon on those two words. Almost did. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time He may exalt you. How do we do that? How do we humble ourselves? First off, we cast all our anxieties on Him. All those problems, all those fears, all those uh, you know concerns, all those things that 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 are, are troubling you right now, you can't fix them. You can you can fix them as a human fixes them, but you don't need them fixed the way a human fixes them. You need them fixed the way God like really fix them, like really deal with it, like really solve the problem. That's how you need. That's what we desire that. You know, there are all kinds of people who go through their life and went, you know, I I made it. I did all right. But that shouldn't be our goal. Why? Because we serve one who is perfect. And He has given us the ability to be like Him. Perfect. Now, for anybody who has performance anxiety, you know, this whole, you know, perfect doesn't mean never making a mistake. Perfect means mature. Grown up. Fully developed. Fully mature. God is mature. God is mature. He's also perfect. But He doesn't expect you to be perfect. That's why we're supposed to seek His righteousness. He's given us His righteousness. And, and, and how has He given us His righteousness? Jesus Christ. We seek Him. We, seek, we, we, we put Him in that place of Lordship. Lord, I am going to trust in Your righteousness. Change me. And I don't care if it takes the next 50 years. I want to, be, I want to seek Your righteousness. Your kingdom your righteousness. And I, you know, I, I'll just be honest. I'm not happy with me yet. When it, the more I read the word, I mean, I, I'm happy. I'm content because it's where I am. It's where he's brought me. But I'm not done yet. Trust me, I'm not perfect yet. I'm not mat- fully mature. Check back in 10 years. I hope I'm going to be more mature than I am today. But we all should be there. Gauge, gauging, putting that gauge on tolerances today. Seek first His kingdom. Cast all your anxieties on Him, for He cares for you. Be sober-minded. Be watchful. Be serious. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Satan every day is trying to make you fall. Don't give him an opening. Don't give him an opening. Don't just set it out there going, here's the best way for me to screw up. Have at it, devil. Because I'm going to give you every opening. We were talking with somebody recently, and, and I, we had a friend years ago as a, a minister. He was a, 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 an ex Biker uh, Bear Morgan, for those of you where I'm headed with this, Bear Morgan. He he had been here and ministered a number of times at Abundant Life, and <clears throat> excuse me. He was a biker. He was a, an enforcer for a bike. What 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 gang was that out in the West Coast? He spent a lot of years at Yeah, but he was in prison for for murder. Is what he was is he was in prison for murder because he was an enforcer. And then got saved, glory, I mean, just miraculously saved. God, it was amazing. His life turned around. He was let out of prison, which he shouldn't have been let out of prison according to the, you know, the, what happened. 
but he lived the rest of his life for God. And one day we were sitting having lunch and, and we were t- you know talking about ministry and what he's doing and they were working with prisoners coming out of prisons and he goes, you know, he says, one of the strange things that God has him doing right now is God had him ministering to exotic dancers. And I just looked at him and went, okay, stop. No. He goes, I'm not kidding. He says, I didn't pick this. He says, I work with my wife. It's we 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 go there. He says, I I you know never ever ever look at the girls. I never you know have any of that. And I'm you know stay with me here. You're all going. Huh? Well, yeah, I know because that's where I was. I was like, dude, what are you nuts? That is not my ministry. I'm just going to be honest with you right there. You don't give. You don't go places where that whatever sin is so easily besets you will trip you up in a second. Don't give the devil a foothold. If you have trouble, if you've had trouble in the past with embezzling money, say no to the accounting job. (laughs) You could probably do the accounting job too well. You can do it too well. But just say no to the accounting job. If you know you just have this temptation to just... Humble yourself. Put, cast your cares on Him. Let Him deal. Don't give the devil a foot. He's trying, to, he's trying to destroy you. Don't watch that soap opera. Ladies, now I just, um, men, I just, you know, push the button on you. Ladies, I don't know, is soap operas even a thing anymore? The View? Oprah, a bachelor. Oh, okay. Here we go. Bachelor. Yeah, I see. Yeah, okay. Well, oh, I had about four ladies. Go. <laughs> we're getting warmer. Okay. See, I don't know. I don't even keep up on this stuff anymore. We were, we were uh, had to go to uh, uh, the Rosedale Mall something for something recently. And I was walking in the mall, getting my time in just because I didn't want to shop. And I just, so I'm, I was putting, I was putting on some miles, just walking around the mall. And I walk around and I'm thinking, what is that? There's this whole set of tables, all this huge grouping of tables kind of in the rotunda area at the mall. And I'm looking at them going, that is really weird looking. It's just very strange. All these books. And then there's just all about 40 to 50 year old ladies were, were sitting there and they were buying books and stuff. And I'm going, what? And I walk close because I'm trying to figure out. And it's it's romantic novels uh, thing. And there was this guy standing in the middle, and he had the long dark hair, and he was doing this, you know. And, <laughs> and I was like, you have got to be kidding me! They, people get together for this kind of stuff, you know. It's just strange. Okay, but moving on. If romantic novels are your thing. Resist Him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by brotherhood throughout the world. And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to His eternal glory in Christ, will Himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. Humble yourself. Humble yourself for, for the, for the short term, for the long term. In the, in the meantime, humble yourself. Lord, I want, I want to obey you. I want to serve you. I want to put your kingdom first. I want to humble myself before you. The result of doing that, even though it's hard, even though it takes off part of who you are, you know, you're changing. You don't look like you did 20 years ago. You don't, you're not, you don't act the way you did 20 years ago. You don't act like you did 20 days ago because he's fine tuning you. The more he fine tunes you will bring you to a place where you are firmly established, confirmed, and immovable. That's worth it. You want to make it through this life? Not just make it through, but you want to make it through successfully and, and, and make a difference in this world? Humble yourself, and He will exalt you. Now, it isn't about exalt me to where I have some kind of a standing. 
No, He exalts you in His kingdom. He trusts you finally. Uh, who was it? Lester Summerall. Lester Summerall, the Lord woke him up one night. Middle of the night, he was 65. He said, go downstairs and sit in your, in your recliner. So he got out of bed in the middle of the night, went down, sat in his recliner. He said, okay, I'm here, Lord. And the Lord just says, wait on me. So he just kept seeking the Lord. and He was worshiping and praying and listening to the Holy Ghost. A few hours later, the Holy Spirit came began to speak to him. And it says, I want you to go out and I want you to talk to this person. You're going to buy a, sh- a ship. He ended up buying like a, three ships. They were called mercy ships, if I remember right. People are going to start giving you money. They're going to start giving you this. They're going to start giving you that. They're going to start, you know, and he and he's listening to this plan that God is unveiling before him. He's 65 years old. And his question to the Lord was, why did you wait until now? I'm, I'm, I'm getting, you know, I'm tired. I'm, I'm getting older. I'm, and the Holy Spirit said to him, he says, I can finally trust you with the money and with the skirts. He had to be fine-tuned to where God could really do what He wanted him to do. And just because he was 65 did not mean he was... Because I think he lived to 87 or 80. He lived into his late 80s. He put in 20 amazing years. He'd already put in a whole ministry, a life of ministry. But that last 20 years, he literally touched millions of people around the world. Whenever there was a, a, a disaster anywhere around the world, I think the, la- the last one I heard about personally was when the tsunami hit India. They loaded all their ships with, with, with medical supplies and doc- there, was, there was surgery suites and there was, I mean, it was, and they had food and, and clean water and they just sent all three ships to the coast of India and served thousands of people. Medical, just, and here's this, he didn't even start until he was 65. He wasn't looking at being done. He was looking at, God was looking at him as, okay, now you're ready. I can finally trust you. It's pretty exciting what he'll do when he can finally trust you, Mike. When he can finally trust me. We ain't seen nothing yet. How do we get there? We humble ourselves under our, under his mighty hand. And in due time, he will exalt you. Remember, today is a gauge. Today is a gauge. Are you still putting Him first? Last set of verses. Turn to Proverbs 3. All of these are very familiar, very... Usual verses here on a regular basis. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him. That's, that is that humble part. That's being humble. That in all your ways acknowledge Him. You know, uh, and, and, you know, I pick on my kids all the time from up here and and my wife, and I have to live with that. But, but I pick on them, and I, I, I also at times should, you know, praise them, and so I will. I have people all the time say, man, you have amazing kids. You know, and I make a joke about it, of course, you know, and it's my wife. And, but we're really why we have amazing kids, why you have amazing kids, because I know you guys do it too. This is just for the tape for everybody who hasn't figured it out yet. It's every day as they were growing up going, God, don't let me mess this up. Father, how do I raise this one? How do I answer this question? How do I, how do I solve this thing in, in a, you know, raising children, being married, everything in all your ways? Acknowledge Him. Lord, how do I do it today? Because how you do it today could be different than how you did it yesterday. Why? Because He knows today. In all your ways, acknowledge Him. How to, how to help raise your grandchildren. How to, how to solve the problems in your workplace. One of the, the coolest stories I've heard in all, you know, in all these years is when, when, uh, Tom Ludeman talk, was talking about at his workplace when he was working for 3M. He was the answer guy. When it, when nothing else would work, when they couldn't figure anything else, when they, when, when nobody had the solution to the problem, his boss would come to him and say, Hey, Tom, go do your thing. 
<laughs> my thing? Yeah, yeah, you know, go, go pray and come back with an answer. His boss would say that. So he'd go pray. He'd go take a, take a coffee break and he'd pray and he'd get an answer. He'd come back and it would work. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. All these problems that, that were read about in Psalm, all these problems that we're facing today, all the problems in this world, all the problems with your family, all the problems with your personal life, all these problems, in all your ways, acknowledge Him. Lord, I want You to be Lord of my life. I want You to show me what to do. I'm humbling myself today. I don't. I have an answer, but I don't have Your... Until I have Your answer, I don't have the answer. Lord, what is Your will? Lead me. Guide me. Show me what to do here. In all Your ways, exalt Him acknowledge Him, and He will direct your paths. And when He does, when we humble ourselves, the opposite of that is you don't ask. The opposite of that is you do what everybody else does. The opposite of that is you just wing it. The opposite, really, you don't do anything. Man, most of the problems I got into in my life, young as a, as a young man, because I didn't do anything. I ignored it. It'll go away. It doesn't go away. Problems don't go away. They just get worse and worse the longer you wait. Especially bills. You know, interest rate. My goodness, I figured that out one day. You don't ignore loans. I don't know who that's for. You don't ignore loans. I should have heard. I needed to hear that back then. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will make straight your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with your first fruits. Okay, that's... Whew. We're going to be receiving an offering soon. There is something about money that just... You can talk about almost anything else, but when you start talking about money, people go, well, just hang on there, Pastor. See, there's proof right there. All they want is our money. No. I don't, I don't care about the money. I do care about your heart. And where your treasure is. The Bible says where your treasure is. Whatever your treasure is, there your heart will be also. That's all that God cares about. He cares about your heart. How you do your money. That's one of the things, that's one of the areas we, we have to humble ourselves. Lord, what do you want me to do in this situation? We're going to receive an offering in a while here. Lord, what do you want me to do? Instead of going, oh, here's what I'm going to do. Here's what, here's what I'm going to do. I've decided this. On, it, on either end of the spectrum. Because it all comes down to it all comes down to motives. You know, people can give millions and millions and millions of dollars and it do them no good because they're doing it with the wrong motivation. What is your heart? What is God's plan for your life? Lord, if I were to ask you, that's the hardest part. You know, and there's been a lot of things that I knew I should do and I just didn't want to ask Him because I didn't want to know the answer. Lord, what, what do you want me to do towards this project? What do you want me to do about tithing? What do you want me to do about the building fund? What do you want me to do about the poor? What do you want me to do about X, Y, Z? Because there's all kinds of things in this world to give to. Lord, what do you want? I want you to do this. I don't want to do that. This is cooler. I want to be known for giving to this. I want to be known to give. No. Lord, what do you want? If, if the whole body of Christ, if the whole body of Christ would just do that one thing financially, the kingdom would be fully, fully supplied, fully bankrolled, everything would be getting done. The gospel would be moving forward like a freight train, and it still is, I mean, to, to a large part, but it would be even more effective. I think we'd have been done by now. But it's because of pride. And especially money. The root of all evil is the love of money. It isn't money. Money is a tool. And from the kingdom's point of view, from God's point of view, money is still a tool. 
give your give that money towards this. I don't want to. He just, no, that's God. Sorry, down here. That's you. Give that money. I have to. I'm not a puppet guy, so I have to remember what what the perspective is here. God says, give give money to that project. I don't want to. That's pride. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And then all the things will be added on to you. You see somebody being blessed in the kingdom, I can guarantee you they're putting the kingdom in him first. It's just the way it works. But there are different degrees of being blessed. We live in America. You are all, every one of you in this room, every one of you, even the children, are among the top 3% of the richest people in the world. We just are. By the, by the fact that we live here. If you have running water in your house, you're in the top 3% of all people in the world. There are people living in holes in the ground. I know them. Some of you know them. They don't have running water. They jump a fence to go to the bathroom. They jump a fence to the neighbor's yard. Hello. I'm just being honest with you here. Just to paint the picture. And they're richer than some people. They're more, they're, they are, they are more physically affluent than some. There are diff, it, just because we have a house and a, and a car and we, maybe you have your car paid off, that that still isn't the ultimate. I'm good. No. The real test is, if the Lord tells you to do something, are you humble and do it? It has nothing to do with the money. The money is a tool. The, the activity is a tool. The, the expectation, it's a tool. When he, it isn't about, there's a scripture in the New Testament. I'd have to look it up. Sorry, it just, it just came to me. Is that he judges the intentions of your heart. He's not judging the activities. He's in, he's going to judge our intentions. Why we did it. Why have I obeyed God? If I did it for fame and glory, it's the wrong reason. If I did it so I could be the one standing up in front, it's the wrong reason. If I did it because he said to, that's the right reason. Humble yourself. And when we do it, ending with Proverbs, worship team, if you want to come up, please. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with your the first fruits of all your produce. Then... Your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. You will be blessed. Blessed, blessed, blessed. Not because you're looking for the stuff, but because it is the benefit of of following Him. Let's stand. All right. So I was reading earlier this week something that really struck me uh, of what I was reading. And it it said that even though we feel downcast, God will never cast us off. And that really, that just really hit me hard. That we may feel downcast, but God will never cast us off. And the reason is all because of Jesus. He paid far too high a price with the death of his son just to cast us off. The word says that he leaves the 99 to come for the one. So if you're feeling downcast this morning, just know and be encouraged. He's not casting you off. He's coming after you. He's coming to find you, the one. You are part of his sheepfold. And he wants you, and he's going to bring you back. So wherever you're at this morning, just know and trust 
He already paid the price. It's a big price he paid. Big price tag. So just be encouraged with that this morning. Be seated for just a moment while we <clears throat> collect our offering. If ushers, if you could be ready. I'm just going to reread uh, what Pastor John shared a little earlier. Proverbs 3, verse 9 says, Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first first fruits of your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. Those are the blessings of God. And that is where we want to be. Um, I heard a little testimony this morning and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it in my own words. Um, because I didn't hear it firsthand, I heard it secondhand, but thirdhand maybe. But Kairos was talking to my wife Jennifer, and he said, "I don't." Know, they were driving along, and he just said, "Man, tithing! I am going to tithe. That's I am going to really. I have to start tithing." And she said, "No, that's not it. Tithing works." And she's she asked him to kind of explain that and he said ever since I started tithing everything's turned around you know things have begun to happen I've got money <laughs> you know he, he started a new job at, at 3M praise God I mean it's a favor of the Lord that he got him in there and he just realized that you know what it works it's a good principle to live by. So, as we uh, as we go ahead and collect the offering, and do we already pass it? Oh, you're right there. All right, I'll just pray, and we're gonna go ahead and collect the offering and pass that around. Father, we thank you so much that your word, <laughs> your word does work in our lives. That when we apply the principles, we receive the promises that you say we're gonna receive. So, Father, as we give of our first fruits, as we honor you with our wealth, God, you will fill our barns, whatever that looks like. I thank you that we can stand on that promise, that we can keep that promise. God, I thank you that you paid the price for us. And that we don't have to be, we don't have to feel like we're cast off, even though we're feeling cast down. We thank you for it. We praise you and we give you the glory and the honor in Jesus' name. Amen. Go ahead and pass it. Sure. Part of the reason we were having that discussion this morning is the Lord was dealing with me pretty much verbatim, I mean, with what Pastor John preached. Um, and I know we have quite a few business owners in here, but um, sometimes it can get kind of gray, right? So what's what's profit? What's expenses? What's coming in? What's going out? What's actually tithing? And I was telling my husband, I'm like, that's kind of getting me hung up because it's gray. It's gray area. It can be gray area. And um, so we just sat down, and I just encourage you this too, because we've seen this. We'll have times where we're really diligent. We're really diligent about knowing the conditions of our herds, our flocks, knowing what's coming and what's going out. And other times where life just gets so crazy, or you start a new adventure, or whatever the case may be, and it's not as clear-cut anymore, right? Um, And, you know, 
we think of the monies like is it for God, but it's for us to keep things straight in our own mind, right? So we just sat down and prayed, and I encourage you, especially if you're a business owner and especially if you find yourself in that situation, to say, God, you know our hearts. You put the number in my head. Don't let my lack of knowing the condition of my flock be the thing that keeps me from honoring you and keeping you first. And so that's what we did, and I just know that God's going to honor that. But I just want to encourage you that if that's you, um, you don't have to get hung up on that because he knows the condition of your flocks better than you do, right? So 